passage is one of those stories where I would really, really like to have a whole lot more background information. How long has he been this way? How did he decide to live among the tombs? I mean, it probably could have been a cave in the mountains. That would have been better than the tombs. How did he get this way? Where's his family? Why aren't they taking care of him? Where's his community? His friends? And didn't they see that every time they tried to restrain him, it only made matters worse? He probably just became more agitated when they tried to find him. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions in the background of the story, but the story is filled with some wonderful truths that we can learn about Christ. And one of those truths that is no matter our condition, we will recognize Jesus in our lives. When Jesus came ashore, this man recognized Jesus for who he was. He didn't run up to him to hurt Jesus or to hurt himself. He ran up to Jesus and bowed down. Even in his confusion, he bowed down and acknowledged exactly who Jesus is and was. Even the demons who might have been in him knew who this Jesus was because they called out Jesus, son of the most high God. There was complete acknowledgement of Jesus in the life of this man. How about you? How often do you acknowledge Jesus to your friends, to your family? Our second truth is that even if we don't acknowledge Jesus as our Lord, there are others who will do it. If you don't do it, God will find others. You know, there are many faiths that recognize Jesus. They might not recognize Jesus the same way we do in all of Jesus' deity, but they still recognize Jesus as a great teacher and as a prophet. But yet the people who came before Jesus didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him for his power, for his connection with God. <coughs> How do you recognize Jesus in your life? This story also gives us some wonderful truths when it comes to healing. For when Jesus healed, it was not just the physical that Jesus healed. Yes, we have many, many stories of Jesus healing the lame, healing the blind, healing those with some kind of physical deformity, like a withered hand or a bent over back. Jesus was even known for raising the dead and and uh, yes, my brain just went dead. Um, raising someone out of a tomb was not the only time. There was a little girl that was also raised. So I don't think it's just one person who Jesus raised. Yet Jesus went beyond the physical when there was the need. We need to be mindful that maybe this person didn't have demons. Maybe that was the first century explanation of his behavior. 
psychology hadn't been discussed yet at this time in history. And so people had to come up with a way to explain that this man was hurting himself and running around wild. So it was said he had demons within him. Maybe what he had was a psychological issue. Maybe these demons that he was hearing and the voices that he was speaking were the psychological dysfunction he was enduring. Therefore, we see that Jesus also heals the psychological beyond the physical. We know that this man was hurting himself. Our scriptures tell us that he would break out of the, the chains that restrained him, and in doing that, he probably left himself with many cuts on his wrists and his ankles. He walked around naked among the tombs at night. Now, I could see him bumping into the tombs and bumping into a lot of other stuff at night, in the dark, undressed, naked. And he was probably cutting himself. He was probably bruising himself. Verse 5 of our passage says that he was also hurting himself. This is another manifestation of one who might have a psychological issue, self-harming or self-immolation. Yet, there isn't anything in the story that Jesus had to heal him physically. Maybe we can assume that once he was in his right mind and he was no longer hurting himself, his wounds would heal naturally. We also see the truth that Jesus will heal and it doesn't matter where you come from or where you're going in your life or who you are, Jesus will still heal. In this passage, it says that Jesus called out the demons from inside the man and allowed them to go into a herd of swine, and there was about 2,000 of them. Now, here's where we get to learn a little bit more of the background information that we often don't think about. A flock of swine, a herd of swine, well, these people must not have been Jewish. If they were Jewish, they certainly wouldn't be raising pigs. Because that's what a swine is. It's a pig. We also know that Jesus was in the area known as the Decapolis. That's a great, great Greco, let's see if I can get English words here, a Greco-Roman city on the east side of the Jordan River. And there's actually 10 cities that make up this group of cities. These were all Gentile cities. So Jesus is ministering to a group of Gentiles and to a Gentile man who's in this tomb. Hmm. Jesus wasn't concerned about his background. Jesus wasn't concerned that he wasn't Jewish. Jesus saw a man in need. Jesus touched this man to make a difference in his life. Another truth we see in this passage is that not everyone is going to accept Jesus. Yet all will need to respond in some manner, and all will have the opportunity to respond. 
the swine herds, and the townspeople were afraid of Jesus. They weren't willing to accept him by faith. I mean, they were totally amazed, according to the scriptures, when they showed up and saw the man who had been running around like a lunatic, sitting very quietly, fully clothed, in his right mind, which is another way of giving us the idea that maybe this was a psychological issue. And there he is sitting, quietly, talking to Jesus. He's not raging. He's not cussing. He's not doing anything but just quietly sitting there. And the people are frightened when they heard what Jesus had done to the swine. This herd of swine ran down the bank into the sea and were drowned. For all we know, there could have been some kind of disease among the swine herd that led them to run to their death. But there's also 2,000 swine. This probably did not belong to one person. That is a huge, huge herd of swine. This was probably the property of the entire community. Now maybe you and your ten, ten swine met up with this person's ten swine and with that person's twenty swine. And they all got collected by the swine herds and taken out to graves. And these swine herds were probably not the owners of the swine. They were probably hired hands that watched the swines and took care of the swine during the day while the rest of the town folks went around their graves. <coughs> but yet for these folks to lose all those swine, that was probably quite a bit of their livelihood. That was their money. That was their food. These are not Jewish people. So they're going to eat those pigs. That could have been next week's dinner for all we know. Yet, see how the people responded to Jesus. They were afraid. And in their fear, instead of asking questions to find out more about Jesus, to learn more about the mercy of Jesus, they asked Jesus to leave. Not only did they ask Jesus to leave, they begged him to leave. They were so stuck in their fear that they couldn't deal with even asking questions. How often do we not get clarification of something that we don't understand? And instead of asking questions, maybe we go off in a huff. Yet the man who lived among the tombs, he had a completely different response. <coughs> than all of the town folks. He asked Jesus, I want to follow you if you will let me. And he was probably shocked as can be when Jesus said, no. Jesus refused to have him come with him. Well, that was probably like a hit below the belt. Here we thinking that here Jesus makes a difference in his life and he's not gonna go with Jesus and learn more about Jesus and become one of his disciples. And Jesus says, no, you're not to come with me. See, Jesus had a big plan for this man, a different plan. 
And this man was open to this plan. How open are you to when Jesus comes to you with a plan? Jesus asked this man to go back to his home. Go back to his friends. Notice there's still no mention of any family. We wonder where they are. But Jesus asked him, go back to your friends and share. Share what I have done for you. Share the mercy that Jesus has shown to you. Share that with your friends. Jesus didn't ask this man to go off into a far country and become a foreign missionary. He asked him to go home and share with his friends. He wanted him to be a voice for Christ among these ten cities. What is Jesus asking you to do? What is Jesus asking you to share? Because Jesus too asked you to share that mercy of God that Jesus bestowed to you and others. When Christ touched your life, when Christ healed you, whether it was physically or psychologically, emotionally or spiritually, when Christ forgave you of your sins, how did you respond to Christ? Yeah. Every once in a while, probably too often than we like to imagine. God may come along and ask us to do something that we think is hard, something that is different. I can tell you that answering God's call to pastoral ministry has changed not only my life, but also Darlene's, and our lives are now are not at all what we thought it was going to be <coughs> years ago. But you see, God knows your abilities. God also knows your lack of abilities. God knows your willingness and your lack of willingness. And God knows how to equip you if you need to be equipped. And God knows those of us who are already equipped and just needs a little pinch or a little push to get moving. And God knows who's willing to go to far places. And God knows those of us who need to just speak to our own friends. God knew that Jonah was a one-time shot. Jonah go to Nineveh. We have some interruptions with the whale. We finally get to Nineveh. And Jonah does nothing else but that one incident. God also knew that Hosea. You could count on him to be a prophet in the northern kingdom for over 50 years. And that they would continue to work throughout their lives. God knew that prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jordan Troy Perry would be in the work for the long haul. God knows, and like the man in our story, those of us who just need to be serving within our own community of friends. So have you, like the man in the story, gone and told your friends about the things that God has done for you? Do your friends 
and your family know that Christ has forgiven you of your sins. Or have you kept that quiet? Afraid to tell them. Do your friends even know that Christ has made a difference in your life? Are you one that who has been healed? Or are you one of those who asked Jesus to leave out of fear? My prayer for each of you is that you will respond to Christ. With Christ, what do you want to do? Tell me, and I will go and do. Whether it is serving in my church, serving in my community, or telling my friends of the great and mighty things that you have done for me. Do you remember the story in scripture of the ten lepers that came up to Jesus? And Jesus healed all ten of them. But only one came back to Jesus and responded to Jesus by saying, Thank you for what you've done for me. Are you that one who responds to Jesus? Or are you one of the nine who walked away? Hear me, church. Yeah. Yeah. Respond to Christ in your life today. Please rise as you are able, so that we will join together in our hymn of response. 